So what I'd like to uh, speak about this morning is the theme of loving-kindness and its transformative power. The Buddha once uh, said in response to a question that uh, not that the, uh, the practice of loving-kindness meditation or the development of loving-kindness was actually to be understood as being the whole of our practice. And it's rather a significant statement, I think, to understand that the development of our heart, the opening of our heart, which we could describe as the, the cultivation or the deepening of loving-kindness, from one perspective can be understood to be the entirety of the path. To learn to cherish all beings and ourselves with an equal depth of friendliness, of warmth, of care. It's not just a uh, useful sort of side journey along the uh, process of developing wisdom or realizing freedom, but is in fact equivalent to it, or perhaps better described as one of the expressions or outcomes of that journey, and equally one of the uh, important intentions and aspirations we hold within the journey. As the Dalai Lama once commented, holiness, when asked about his religion, once said, my religion is kindness. Rather simple, rather direct, and uh, also profound in its implication. This recognition, of course, is common to, I would say, most, if not all, genuine, or certainly all genuine spiritual traditions, and uh, most religions in the world, you will see recognize the importance of kindness. And in the context of meditation practice, the cultivation of heart and mind, the, uh, the Dharma path, we could say, kindness and compassion, caring, really lie at the very beginning of the journey insofar as it is a caring for our own welfare and well-being and a caring for the welfare of others that is what actually initiates is actually what gives rise to the beginning of the path to the entering into the journey itself we practice because we seek freedom we seek the end of suffering we seek the uh, fulfillment of our potential for our own welfare and for that of others and therefore when we engage even when we engage in practices that we may not think of as the cultivation of kindness engaging in uh, the, the development of, of mindfulness the development of wisdom the development of concentration or samadhi all of these things really spring from our caring caring about life caring about ourselves, caring about others. And as such, that quality of caring, that quality of kindness is both implicit in our practice and also beneficial insofar as we make it extremely beneficial insofar as we make it more conscious and more explicit. It's really useful to notice how easily in practice we find ourselves responding or reacting 
to our inner life from a place other than that of kindness how easily negativity, reactivity arises to ourselves towards others how we notice judgment, how we notice anger arising frustration, irritation, annoyance about things that occur within ourselves in our experience or about the actions or our perceptions or projections of how other people are acting or what's going on within them it's really useful to notice how painful it is and I think this is usually quite apparent how painful it is to be caught in negativity and judgment towards others, towards ourselves this recognition of how painful it is as I say, I think it's not news to us but to actually come into contact with it to allow ourselves to feel it is to begin to to really be clear very clear in ourselves that it doesn't serve and that transforming it transforming negativity transforming the ways of reaction that lead to our hearts closing down is actually an expression of immense kindness to ourselves and of course to everyone ultimately and to understand that in, in our meditation practice the rejection of experience any experience when we are unwilling to open to, when we're unwilling to receive, when we're unwilling to acknowledge or accept what is occurring. This is an expression of an unkindness. It's not just reactivity in the mind. There's a way in which when we do not allow, when we do not open to what is, that it carries within us that element of, of unkindness, of a, of a loss of connection with caring in some way or form. See how when we put pressure on ourselves to be other than as we are or to be good or to be a great meditator or whatever it might be or the perfect yogi how underlying those pressures that we place upon ourselves there is some sense of not fully cherishing ourselves as we are not fully cherishing this moment as it is So the process of actually learning to receive each moment, learning to receive each experience is actually born of understanding that kindness is transformative and that accepting, receiving, opening to our experience is an expression of kindness to ourselves and to the moment that we are in. It's as though we might imagine what kindness would feel like for us if we were to receive it from another true kindness I imagine for many of us what we would wish is to be seen as we are and received and accepted as in that way to not have pressure placed upon us by another to be different so not to be ignored to really be seen and not to be coerced or manipulated or pressured by the agenda of another to be received in this way I think we would experience as an expression of great kindness and learning to meet and receive ourselves in this way is one of the the arts 
that we cultivate in practice, one of the capacities of our heart that we develop to learn to listen deeply to ourselves, to be in a caring witness to our own experience. Not a witness at a safe distance, but right up close, really there. So we have a sense of being with ourselves. So we do not leave ourselves on our own, so to speak. We do not abandon ourselves or our experience. this really comes out of understanding that the root of happiness is born in how we act. That the root of well-being is born of how we actually engage with the world. This is the teaching of karma, the understanding of karma. So when we act from a place of rejection or resistance, towards our life, ourselves, our experience. We actually close down and cut ourselves off from life. And in this we experience suffering, we experience pain. To actually look at what goes on in this process, I think it's kind of useful, kind of instructive. Because much of the suffering that we could see as being somehow self-generated through our own reactivity, through our habits of rejection, of pushing away our experience, we actually do it rather, it seems rather in a, in a rather poignant and sad way, in order to protect ourselves. We seek to push away that which is threatening, that which is difficult, that which is painful, because we fear that we cannot be present with it. Or we feel that in order to take care of ourselves we must reject that which is difficult or appears to be dangerous. And yet in doing so we actually find ourselves disconnected. We find ourselves in conflict. We find ourselves at times it seems alienated from our own heart. And this is actually deeply painful, deeply grievous. This is not something that is easy to encounter. And I think when we do so, we really notice how deeply we wish to care. That wish, that movement where we actually see the need for love, for kindness, for caring, even in the absence of the felt sense of caring, even when we're reacting, even when we're caught in negativity, the recognition of the wish to move towards caring and kindness is itself the expression of that kindness, is itself the manifestation of the caring that is inherent within us, and that yet easily gets caught up in reactivity.
So in the process of learning to cultivate non-greed and non-hatred expressed as or as non-selfishness, non-aggression we learn to let be, we learn to let go and it's useful to understand these two letting be is the best perhaps way to reflect on or relate to the relationship we could establish with the difficult if we think of letting go of the difficult we easily tend to think in terms of getting rid of it and that easily becomes an underlying agenda the idea that if I let it go it should go away and of course this isn't really how it works this would be just a more subtle form of aversion and as uh, Ramdas once said rather wisely you can't be with it in order for it to go away because it's known and truly it's us, we know when we're not really opening to the experience when we're somehow trying to get rid of it so we learn to let be the difficult we learn to let go of the grasping towards that which is desirable and when we do this, this actually results in less suffering and more a sense of freedom, of well-being so we can understand this practice of learning to let be and to let go is really coming out of enlightened self-interest out of a skillful form of self-cherishing when that caring for ourselves is actually linked with understanding, with wisdom that reveals what truly leads to our well-being this is the link and this is where of course we give a lot of emphasis to the cultivation to the development of wisdom that enables us to move from that caring and aspiration for our well-being towards understanding and actually being able to put into practice the ways that truly lead to well-being and yet remembering, recognizing that it is the caring that underpins that whole endeavor and therefore that quality of of kindness, of of friendliness is actually an important quality to to be in touch with as we practice to not somehow put it to one side as something we'll maybe do a little bit now and then formal loving kindness meditation whether or not we choose to include that practice which is of course you're free to uh, to do so or not actually at times taking a moment to tune in to that sense of caring for yourself and life and just sensing, remembering, reminding yourself perhaps or refreshing yourself perhaps in the contact with that sense of caring so the process of developing mindfulness of developing wisdom is to a large extent initially so we free ourselves from the reactivity that is so painful to us and in this, this is the cultivation of goodness goodness is actually something that naturally shines forth from us from within our being when we are not caught up in reactivity it's not something we need to manufacture 
And so to actually begin to trust that, to begin to trust in the goodness of our own life, the goodness of our own aspiration, the wholesomeness of what we're engaged with, is to actually give fuel, give support, give power to the sustaining of practice, which at times can be challenging. At times it can feel dry, at times it can feel exhausting, at times it can feel confusing. To be able to stay with those places, with those moments when we wonder perhaps what we're doing or why we're doing it. To actually come back to that baseline, that place of just remembering that we care. And that this practice is an expression of that caring and a vehicle for deepening our capacity to connect with that caring and to express it in the world. We can see that loving kindness, that caring, that friendliness is something immensely important in life because in its absence so much suffering is created, so much pain is caused through an absence of the connection with loving kindness and friendliness. It's important to acknowledge in practice, and I think it's no surprise to anyone, that life is challenging. Life can be difficult. What we encounter at times can really stretch us, it seems, to perhaps the, uh, the farthest extent of our capacity in order to meet, in order to accommodate what we encounter. And In order to really be able to go to those places, in order to really be able to inhabit the areas of territory in our lives that are difficult, that are challenging, that do at times arise, being in touch with that sense of caring is what actually allows us to go there. What often happens, what easily arises when something difficult is occurring, whether it be something physically uncomfortable, painful, whether it be something emotionally distressing or overwhelming. What often happens is we get caught in a place of fear, where we lose contact with the immediate experience and we get drawn into our projection of what will happen if this continues, how it will impact in our day, in our retreat, in our life. And when we project into the future those ideas based on what our experience is now being continued, whether it be, you know, oh my knee, it hurts, oh no, I don't think I can sit anymore, my retreat has been ruined and perhaps I'm going to be a cripple for the rest of my life. And the way the mind can just proliferate with a story in that way. What happens is we're caught in the fear and we've lost touch with the sense of just the caring that might say to us, okay, in this moment, it's appropriate for me to stay with and be with and explore this painful sensation. Or the caring that might equally choose and equally wisely as it may be appropriate in another moment to say, that's enough, I think I need to change the posture now, make some adjustment. It seems often that fear is 
the quality that seems to, or the, the energy that seems to take us away from our heart, that seems to block us off or cut us off from contact with that sense of caring. And when we actually can acknowledge fear, acknowledge that which gives rise to fear as being part of what occurs, as being in many ways natural, although not thought for or wished for at all, then the block to our heart that fear creates really begins to open. If we can actually turn a sense of caring and kindness towards that very fear itself, we can actually allow ourselves to reconnect with the natural caring that is there. It's important again to understand that loving kindness is a natural quality of our heart. It's not something that we make or manufacture. What we learn to do is release and dissolve the blocks, the distortion and the barrier to having contact with our own natural caring and expressing it in the world, allowing it to flow into the world. There's a beautiful phrase from um, some of Rilke's writings where he speaks of fear. He says of those things which we fear, how could we forget all those legends and myths that stand at the beginning of all races, of dragons who were in the last moment transformed into princesses? Perhaps everything that frightens us is in its deepest essence something helpless that wants our love. Remarkable word. To see that everything that frightens us is something helpless that wants our love. What does that mean for us? to investigate, to explore those places where we find ourselves withdrawing or closing down. See what is there that is threatened? What is there that is vulnerable? What is there that actually needs to be met with kindness, with care? Understanding that we can't avoid pain, we can't avoid difficulty in life. Dukkha, as the Buddha spoke of it, in so many different ways and forms we encounter it. Having taken birth, we are subject to aging, sickness and death. Inhabiting a heart which feels, we are subject to sorrow, pain, grief, lamentation and despair. And having a mind, we are subject to uh, being associated with the dislike separated from the light and not getting what we want. When we think about those different aspects of life, you know, when the Buddha speaks of them or when we hear about them, it sounds like, gosh, this, this is going to be tough, you know, it doesn't sound like a good advertisement for meditation practice. Come along and experience this. 
birth, aging, sickness and death, sorrow, pain, lamentation and despair and the rest. And yet the teaching of this tradition is one in which by really acknowledging the fact of these elements in life, by really seeing them clearly, we can allow ourselves to respond to them. We can't deny them, we can't make them, wish them away. That's not possible. What's asked of us is to respond to them with kindness and with care, to actually meet ourselves with understanding. To understand in that that the real harm that could occur to us, that which perhaps if we were to be afraid of something, would probably be worth being afraid of is the process whereby our heart closes down whereby we become disconnected from our life whereby we consciously or unconsciously subscribe to and invest in the belief that to protect ourselves we need to separate ourselves from others, from the world, from parts of ourselves Because this, in fact, is a recipe for isolation, disconnection, and a much deeper suffering. The deeper suffering born of being separate and disconnected. So when we notice those places, as we do, where our heart has closed or is closing, feels distant or disconnected, to actually turn towards those places, to actually be willing to meet them, to feel into them, to see what's possible for you, to extend towards them by way of caring, by way of kindness. That this quality is it's really like the juice that lubricates or the, the oil that lubricates the process of loving sorry, the process of, of meditation. The unfoldment of our heart and our mind's journey. One of the important elements of this is a, a quality of forgiveness. Being able to forgive ourselves and others for the harm we have caused in this world, and they have caused, whether to ourselves or to others. We often, in the rejecting of experience or parts of ourselves, feel justified in doing so in the rejecting of others or their activity. We feel justified in doing so because it has caused harm or is causing harm. 
And it seems at times really hard to keep our heart open to someone who is harming others or to parts ourselves which harm others or harm ourselves. And for the, in this, it's really, I think, important to reflect upon, it's really useful to reflect upon both the importance of forgiveness and also the significance of blindness in Dharma teaching. Forgiveness is that quality that allows us to be released from the shadow of past pain. It allows us to let go of what was and move on. Forgiving ourselves, forgiving the world, forgiving others for that which has caused us suffering. And with regard to ourselves and others, forgiveness, I believe, comes from understanding why it is we are the way we are and why it is we act the way we act. In Dharma teachings, we understand that suffering arises from blindness, sometimes translated as ignorance, the word is avidya. And the root of that is vid, to see, a vid, to not see, which I think is more usefully translated as blindness. Ignorance sometimes seems rather pejorative can seem like another reason to give ourselves a hard time you when know, we think of ourselves as ignorant but blind as, as if we were sitting perhaps on a uh, park bench one day having a quiet sort of relaxing nap perhaps as we're sitting there someone walking along comes and kicks our foot really quite hard and imagine what our response would be stupid you know, couldn't you see where you were going as we are aroused to some discomfort from our comfortable nap? And then what we notice suddenly is the person has got dark glasses and a white cane. Imagine how our response changes in that moment. From, you stupid, you kicked me, to, oh, gosh, this person couldn't see my foot. And even more so, you know, maybe we wonder, what well, maybe I shouldn't have left my foot sticking out on the footpath. So someone trip over it. We take some responsibility ourselves. When we actually understand that our own actions, even though at times misguided, are really trying to protect our own well-being, and understand that equally so, too, are the actions of all other beings, then I think it's possible to recognise quite clearly that the harmful actions within those, of ourselves or others, come because we don't always understand what will truly serve our well-being. It is ignorance, it is blindness that leads to suffering. And rather than blaming or rejecting ourselves for it, or blaming or rejecting another, much more useful, much more helpful, is to actually take an interest, to actually care for, to engage with that person or that part of ourselves, out of the wish to transform that blindness and therefore bring to an end that harming tendency that causes suffering. The power of love is that it has the capacity to transform the fear, the anger. 
and release us from the sense of being separate or needing to hold ourselves apart from life in order to somehow protect ourselves. And as we deepen in meditation, what we can notice at times when we're more fully and consciously in contact with that sense of caring is that it has the effect and the power of dissolving the sense of being separate or being apart from. And the very nature of love itself and the way it's expressed, which is kindness, the very nature of love of loving kindness is that it responds to whatever it's in contact with as though it is not separate from it. That when we are in touch with a place of love coming from that place, whatever we encounter, we meet it not as something separate, not as something distant or disconnected. And in this the sense of our self, our life, our being as somehow separate or cut off from or disconnected is actually shown to be an illusion. It's shown to be not true. And in this, the wisdom, we could say, of love that sees the connectedness, that sees the relatedness, that sees through the appearance of separation or disconnection, that deeper truth of life is revealed. The deepest wisdom that transforms and that liberates is revealed in that very non-separate, in that very connection which love is. Love is itself something boundless, something that does not have limits, that does not draw lines in life between one thing and another. And as we become more fully, truly and deeply in touch with that quality through our life and through our practice, the sense of the lines and the divisions and the boundaries that we experience in life begin to dissolve. The compartmentalization and the rigidity of life's apparent structure soften, become fluid. And ultimately, life itself is revealed to be boundless, something unbounded, unboundaried. And in that realization, of course, what we are is unbound. And this is, I believe, the way in which we could understand loving-kindness as being the entirety of our path.
that its presence is essential to the development of meditation. It allows us to be really wholehearted and engaged, to really fully give ourselves to the practice with all the vitality and the commitment of our heart and our life. And at the same time, not be coming from a place of harshness or willpower driven or judgment pressured striving. So in the way we practice it very much is the undercurrent or an undercurrent of what is going on. Knowing that the motivation that carries it is a motivation of kindness and caring that supports our whole practice and that ultimately in the full fruition of Dharma practice the love, the kindness that is naturally there in touching all things ourself, so-called and other so-called in touching all things equally the Dharma is revealed the Dharma of freedom of life that is unbound of love that is boundless and for this discovery, this understanding Practice is a worthy undertaking. So may there be kindness and caring in that journey of your practice and may that practice bring you to its full fruition the boundless heart of life for the welfare of all